Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola familia, this is your girl Odalis Jasmine and y'all are tuning into the one and only Hello Latino. I'm talking to Adriana Alejandre today, founder of the amazing podcast Latinx Therapy. Did y'all know nationwide there are only about 10.8% Hispanic and Latino identifying marriage and family therapists and about 5% of Hispanic psychologists. And there is a growing need for more accessibility, more resources to destigmatize certain conversations within our community. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about. That's why Briars partnered with Adriana to bring a little bit of sweetness to the table by facilitating those much needed conversations without hurting anybody's feelings. This toolkit is called Conversaciones by Nia, a guide tailored for multi-generational Latinx families to talk about the hard stuff with grace, with respect, and most importantly, with boundaries. Y'all ready to answer el novio question? Let's get into it. Hey, girl. We're hey, live. Hey. We're live. <laughs> yeah. I am. I was just sharing with, with her earlier how, how excited I am to share this space. And Adriana, I'm just really so honored to have you in here. I, like I was telling you, I follow your podcast. I've been a fan. I started listening to podcasts in the pandemic in 2020. And I think a lot of people started to listen to more podcasts. And it was also a time of mental health, right? Of yeah. really trying to figure out, okay, now I don't have all these to-do lists. Now I don't have all these events that I have to run to in my case. So let me spend some time focusing introspectively and on me. So your podcast has helped me navigate a lot of things, a lot of topics. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for your support. And absolutely, we were already in a mental health crisis before the pandemic and then the pandemic just like exacerbated the numbers and our experience and our grief and so yeah it's I'm I'm glad that you found um it to be helpful for you yeah that's the purpose that part right <laughs> pre-pandemic and then post I feel like it was already a need and then pandemic just kind of put it to the surface right like oh I I've been dealing with this for a long time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, completely. Oh, well, let's start with how I start every podcast episode. And that is how do you identify and why? I identify as I'm gonna give you most of my identities as a Guatemalan, <laughs> Guatemalan Mexicana, first gen. My pronouns are she, her, ella. And I am, yeah, I'm a very proud daughter of immigrants. And so I'm not sure if that's what you were looking for. Um, I'm also a therapist and a speaker. And the reason why I think it's so important for myself, but honestly, everybody to include their identities is because I think we need to share more about our backgrounds, where we come from and how we're not 
we're not simple. We're very complex beings and all of our identities help us to, I think, understand the narratives like where we're about to go into and and yeah where where we're about to go into for this interview for example you know one thing my dad always told me and i've said it i don't even know how many times on this podcast so to my little listeners you've heard this before i my dad used to always tell me si no sabes de donde vienes nunca sabrás a donde vas right like if you don't know where you came from you'll never know where you're going and the pandemic was actually a moment for me where i learned more about myself and I started to really I think prior to the pandemic I was doing a lot of work so shout out to therapy doing a lot of therapeutic work on getting to know myself healing which is a forever journey I realized no one told me that I thought I was going to go to therapy and be all healed (laughs) but the (laughs) pandemic taught me to look inward and look at my roots and learn about my family my parents and that's the birth of the podcast and where I came from because we need more archive stories about us right yes so i i want to i want to talk about you for a second because you're latina and a latina therapist is like a unicorn you don't really see them very often yeah tell us that story from you know little adriana to now therapist and host and creating digital toolkits what's what's that story in between okay so Oh, man. You know, I never really imagined that I would be a therapist. I was always interested in business. And so growing up, I always knew that I was going to go to college. Like I heard it from my first grade teacher. And that's where I was like, oh, okay. well, it's an expectation that I it sounds great. It sounds great for my future. And I had many teachers that were very supportive and encouraged college. I was in basically 99 percent Latino school in a very low, at the time, socioeconomic status neighborhood um, in in Sun Valley uh, in the 90s. And so many of us were children of immigrants and my parents didn't want, we only spoke Spanish, but they never wanted us to be in ESL at the time because now that I know the word for it, they wanted us to assimilate as much as possible to Mm. have greater opportunities according to what they told us then. And so, you know, unfortunately, the system worked in that way where more opportunities were available for students that spoke English than who were monolingual Spanish speakers. And we we honestly lost our Spanish. But, you know, I went through school getting really, really good grades, um, trying to be involved as much as possible, whether that was through leadership or through sports. And so I was always I just I always knew college was going to be that goal for me you know just a little bump in the road but back then it was like a big you know a big uh, pebble a big a huge ugly rock was that I got into a domestic violence relationship really uh, right after when I turned 18 my first you know adult relationship and I ended up you know being a single parent at the time my first year ending my first year in college and my parents were really, really scared because they were like, you know, this was this you're, we don't want you to drop out. And I didn't want to drop out either. So thankfully, we made it work for the four years. I was in the non-traditional school housing. It was extremely difficult, very challenging in all senses, physically, emotionally. And I was unfortunately failing most of my classes and I didn't get into business economics major. I didn't get into communications major. 
I didn't get into social studies major. And my last try for survivor purposes, for survival purposes, was to try psychology because I had just learned about it from abnormal psychology prerequisite course. And thankfully, I barely passed, barely made it in. And so when once I made it into the major, I started looking into options that I wanted to that were available for me as a career. And I saw that becoming a therapist was an option. And I really liked it. I, I liked, you know, I, I felt comfortable in envisioning my future as a therapist. And very quickly, I knew that I wanted to be a trauma therapist. And so really, that's where that journey of becoming a therapist began. And I did have to take a gap year so that I could get experience since my grades were low. They were like, they barely made it through because I was raising a child during college at UC Santa Barbara. But uh, I took that, that I year to gain imagine. experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's beautiful about what you're sharing is, is this, there's two things that come to mind. There's one, this thread of like, I'm not going to give up and how supportive your parents were. And that's one thing I always share, what I love about the Latino community, not to generalize that every Latino has that experience, but so much of our community is to be a community, right? Like we got each other's backs, maybe to a fault sometimes, or maybe that's not present for some people, but there is that supportive nature that I think is innate in our community. Love that that's highlighted. But the second thing is I love that it comes from a personal experience and why you want to be a trauma therapist. Oh, yeah. And I think it's it's so... It's it's one of those things that I, I talk about a lot at work, right in the div space and the diversity, inclusion and belonging space. It's one thing to study white fragility and and learn from it from books and get a master's in it. But it's another thing to experience it firsthand and know this is how I need to serve that community because I've been there like you, you connect on a more heart level. Do you find yourself doing that as well? Yeah, I really kind of classify that as like a lived experience now, right? Like just an experience I lived through, I went through and something now that I is part of my story. Uh, there's cuentos, right? Our community is very heavy on cuentos. And so that's how I kind of embedded into my storytelling now, as you're hearing. And I also want to share, you know, I, I shared the very positive in a nutshell aspects, but you know, early on, definitely my mother was not accepting and was very, very difficult on me for the pregnancy. You know, my parents are religious. And so there was that religious component in regards to, you know, there was shame involved that I brought onto the family. So there were very traditional uh, expectations and disappointments that, you know, are part of the story. But I, I still believe that all of that is what led me to where I am today and why people have resonated with the podcast, with um, my mental health journey as well. I experienced postpartum depression upon giving birth, really, uh, even during pregnancy, um, prenatal depression. And so all of that is is included into what led me here today. I want to ask a question about, you know, you talked about the religious components. And I it's funny, I was going to ask you, like, how did your parents make sense of what was happening to you, right? Because I think not to blame our, our viejitos in the family, but it comes from a very patriotic, religious upbringing, cultural upbringing. How, how did you navigate going to therapy slash becoming a therapist? And how does your family 
make sense of that. Or maybe they have just, you know, owned it and loved you for it. But how do they make sense of you being a therapist and being in this space? I've always had, thankfully, support career-wise from my family. From my family in Mexico, most of them are actually psychologists and or business owners, um, like into into business and, and tech. And so, you know, on that side, the, everybody's really close and, and they've been very accepting. And then, you know, for when I was in college and after college and, and in therapy, my parents and my siblings, they've just always trusted me with my academic decisions specifically. And so I have been very blessed in that sense, in that I haven't, I didn't really get any, you know, complaints like, oh, you should be a doctor or, oh, you should be an abogada or, or anything like that. There was always just like, okay, mija, like, échale ganas, you know. And so I think that's definitely something that has been a, a protective factor for me um, because I didn't have to deal with that stress, right? But in regards to parenting, m- my father was always very much more passive. And then my mom was more of the machista. Like she's the one that held the power and control in the family. And so we were all scared of her. But thankfully, she was the one she was she was fine with my career choice. Sometimes I'd hear like, oh, es psicoloca, but that's fine. I'll take it. You know, that's such a funny question to ask. Like, do your parents actually know what you do? I I know <laughs> one quick story. My mm-hmm. my brother started working for for gov- for like government, right? Doing analysis. I don't really even know what he does now, to be honest, but. He works in government. He's been in there for a decade or so now. I remember when he first started, he was working for the city of San Jose. And my mom goes and tells all her friends like, oh, you know, he's the mayor of San Jose. And then my friend, and then I hear my tias and, and friends saying like, y eso que? Like, no te creo. No me digas, right? Like, go, <laughs> like just being so excited. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I pulled her aside. I was like, mom. He's not the mayor of San Jose. Like he works for the government. She's like, I, it's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and then she started, es lo mismo. And then she started saying like, oh no, es un juez, es un juez. I'm like, you're getting all of these completely mixed up. But it's it's part of just I think the pride. But it's just funny because I'm like, do our parents really even know what we do? I don't know. They don't. They don't. I know. I remember my mom would get so excited seeing me on TV. And it, even though it was Univision or Telemundo, she she wouldn't even understand, I think, exactly what I was saying. Because sometimes she was so in shock that she would see me on TV. Um, so it was oh just my very God. cute. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was on Telemundo, the same thing. My mom and my dad were sending it to all the familia in Honduras. Like, mira la niña, mira la niña, mira la niña. And I was like, Y'all don't really know what I do. They say I have a, a radio. I'm like, uh, not um, quite, but yes, ish. <laughs> yeah, ish, yes. Right, ish. Yeah. But the I new think up it's, and coming it's radio. beautiful. The new up and coming radio, right. But it's so funny how our parents make sense of the things that we do. And in all of it, they're just proud because that's what the sacrifice was for. And whether they understand it or not, they're like, there she goes. She's doing the thing. I think it's more of a pride of like, she's going to be okay. You know, it's like, there she goes. Yeah, no, I definitely. I want to hear the story about podcasts. Where, just because I'm a fan, where was that story or that story, that podcast, where was that podcast born from and what has it turned into? Okay, so the podcast was honestly born from frustration. 
a lot of frustration. I got licensed um, in 2017 um, here in the state of California uh, as a licensed marriage and family therapist. And that year I started my own practice and I honestly got full really quickly. I was private pay. I didn't accept insurances. And within like three months, really, I was full. And then I was still getting phone calls from people that were in therapy, were seeking therapy for the first time ever. Many of them, the, the Latinx community, people that identified as immigrants, some undocumented folks. And I just didn't find it fair to have a wait list. I was extremely frustrated with not being able to find resources for even my own clients that I was seeing. Like something that I can say, please watch this clip and then we'll talk about it next session. Because Everything that's on the media about therapists, it's like, what do we see? You know, a, a white, older therapist, typically male. And that wasn't representative. Whatever they were doing, have been doing on TV, is not representative of truly what is happening in the room with at least my style and many of my colleagues that identify as Latinx as well or children of immigrants. So I really wanted to create a media style, like, resource for the community of people that were on my caseload and then also for people on the wait list or people seeking help. And that's where I created a Facebook group first. And then I was like, I'm way too shy for YouTube because YouTube was in in 2017, 18, way more than podcasts. Podcasts were, were there, but it was more YouTubers. But I found podcasting to be a good complement to my shyness and being introverted and not knowing how to speak professionally as well. Um, I'm, it's still a work in progress, but a lot better than where it was because uh, I could edit. I could edit my shows and interview people, uh, my colleagues from all over the, the states or even globally. And it became a sensation, really. Apple picked it up and it went viral because of the feature that they gave me and, and I'm sure the content as well. Uh, the first three episodes were really great. So the guests were amazing. So yes, I, I that's really where that came from. Wow. I love that you turned frustration into a whole massive platform that is helping so many people, including myself, including, I mean, it actually stemmed from a, another episode I had early on in this podcast. One of the the women that was on on the podcast mentioned you as a resource to everyone who was listening. And that was my first introduction to it where I'm like, oh, I need to listen and have been obsessed since. But I think it's it's beautiful that you could turn something that was so frustrating into a platform that is needed and is so, it wasn't there before. And mm -hmm. I, my mantra is like, you have to create what you wish you had when you were younger because yes. if you don't, girl who will, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I heard something similar recently too, like, Someone else is like, tienes toda la pena and someone else is running with your idea and taking it. And so it's just, we just have to get out there because we have amazing ideas that are so intuitive, but because we maybe don't feel like we'll have the support, it stops us. And we know that also first gen suffer from a lot of imposter syndrome. And so there's, you know, some of these topics are even in the the Briars uh, Conversaciones by Nina Digital Toolkit. And we, we include how to have these conversations. We give precisely the language. It's very tailorable, but we give the language that people can use to the older generation, to younger generation, to explain some of these 
taboo or it's difficult topics. Beautiful transition into talking more about that toolkit. Can you explain what this, this toolkit is, what it's for, who it's for, and how they can get access to it? Yes. So I'll start by sharing that I really, I really appreciate the way that Briars, which is a company that I grew up, you know, eating their ice cream. So this is a very, very full circle partnership for me. And it's just so great to know that they are very, uh, they're wanting to help multi-generational Latinx households. And I, you know, just until earlier this year at the age of 32, barely moved out from my mom's home. So I was very much in a multi-generational household, you know, raising my own son there with her and my siblings and also my husband that I married a couple years ago. So it was very interesting in those dynamics and everything that we talked about are things that I hear commonly with my clients, with my, in my own household. So I know firsthand the complexity and the challenges for conversations like this. And so this partnership really came about like just wanting to give a, a digital toolkit, a, an accessible, a free guide to our community. And, and we called it um, Conversaciones Vainilla. Um, and it's available on our website, latinxtherapy.com. It's just, it's in English and in Spanish. And we talk about childbearing expectations when we hear y los niños pa cuando right self-care is selfish yes yes every noche buena every noche buena oh my goodness yes Um, (laughs) so you know this is also very timely i'm glad we're having this conversation yes because the holidays are coming up and you know we're gonna hear some of these yes that like what i mentioned that self-care is selfish right set how to set boundaries we talk about how to reaffirm somebody, how to validate someone, how to redirect the conversation when it gets difficult. There, there are many different examples and how to explain maybe what the younger generation is witnessing between your generation and the older generation as well. So it's, it, it's just infused with a lot of different tools and language, which is what people have been asking for. It's the how. How do I have these conversations you know, as Briars mentions, how do I sweeten these these difficult conversations? And so this is this toolkit gives you that footprint to start the conversation. And before you get to all the examples of like, you know, how to also talk about therapy, que la terapia no es para locos, for example, we also discuss how, you know, everybody needs to be in like, you know, a very neutral emotional state. These conversations can't happen when people are already heated. And, uh, you know, that sometimes we need to take breaks from the conversations. And these are ongoing platicas, right? It's not people aren't going to change their mind right then and there. This is going to this we should see it as a partnership, right? If we want to continue a relationship with this loved one. That is I can't even tell how I can't even like explain how necessary and timely this whole toolkit is and this conversation is you you put this toolkit together like what were some of the conversations that were hardest for you or just most challenging for you to sweeten oh that's such a good question I'm gonna take a peek at all the examples right now because there's a chart in there again that has um, different themes and let me go ahead and read them to you so just briefly there's therapy going to crazy going to therapy is for crazy people there's religion you feel that way because God is testing you 
parenting. If I were you, I would spank that child for what they did. They just did to you. You're the parent. Y los niños para cuando dating y el novio para cuando money talking about money is mala suerte. Um, so these are things that you can expect in the toolkit. And in regards to what was most difficult for me, there were a couple. It was definitely the money one because my parents, although we didn't really talk about money, there was a heavy emphasis on saving. So we didn't see it as like it being mala suerte. It was more so like a survival thing. But again, my parents really believed that we would be successful. And so as long as we stayed consistent with our academics, they trusted that we would eventually, I, I feel like they had this abundance mindset, like stay consistent, do what you have to do now. You have to sacrifice now, but it's going to pay off in the future. So that one was difficult. And I definitely got help from the community who experienced, you know, a, a beliefs like that. And then also the religion one, because my parents, although they were Catholic, they didn't really bring in religion too much into their discipline. It was very rare when they did. So, but this is something I hear like 95% of the time with all of our clients here at my group practice. You know, you feel that way because God is testing you. You need to just pray it away. You know, where there's this dependency on God or religion. And that's a fine way to cope in like religion, using religion is a fine way to cope. But to have a 100% dependency is very harmful for our mental health. And so that was one, you know, again, because I didn't experience it directly was something I had to be very considerate of for, you know, everybody. Oh, girl, if I tell you how many times I heard that in my household slash hear mm -hmm. that today. Mm -hmm. um, oh, still. And, it, and it's hard because it is it creates this weird dynamic between you and God or your belief system because there, there's so much complexity there. And I've, I've had to learn that over the years. And that's a whole different conversation of how I've stayed spiritually inclined and still been able to say, um, I don't think this is God. I think I really need to go to therapy or I really need to work this out or we really need to talk this out. Another thing I'm curious about, Adriana, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I mean, there's so many things I'm unlearning. And again, huge, huge shout out to therapy for giving me so many tools, resources to create generational love and just create a different generation to come. One of the things that I've learned is in my family, in my households, we have a fight or something big and dramatic happens in the household. And then the next day we act like nothing ever happened. There's no apology. There's no reconciliation. Yep. There's no... Let's talk this out. Let's be vulnerable. How are you feeling? There's there's nothing but what do you want for breakfast? ¿Quieres cafecito? Vamos a la tienda. You know, there's it's just, we just move on. H have you experienced that? Is that also in this digital toolkit? If so, how does one navigate that situation? Thank you for asking that question. And, you know, or the questions. In regards to me experiencing it, I, I think I would have to really think about it. I know that personally, I've, growing up, in, in my house, my family's household with my siblings when they were all there, I think I wanted to engage in that because avoiding just felt the most comfortable. Now as a therapist and reflecting back, because it didn't, that wasn't a dynamic that really happened there. For us, like the tension remained, like nothing returned to normal until, for example, my mom got what she wanted in my household. So it was a bit of that dif different dynamics. But for, for situations like that, what I reflect on is how that act like what you just shared that 
quieres algo de comer, vamos a la tienda. That's a, a love language of our parents and how they know how to, the only way that they really know how to reconnect after something difficult. They are trying to uh, communicate through their love language. And so not that it justifies anything, but we also have to understand that many of our parents don't have the privilege that we have to the emotional resources, right, such as therapy, because therapy was heavily um, stigmatized and discriminatory back then when they were growing up. And times have changed and we are not growing up under the same circumstances. So, you know, there's we can hold spaces for both, you know, their truth and our truth. And then in regards to it, this isn't specifically addressed in the toolkit, but I think that tools to manage that conversation. So, you know, we have a column that's like recommended ways to approach. We, we have how to validate. I can see how it has been portrayed like that on TV and the media, for example, but you can easily customize that sentence, right? I can see how that was portrayed in your upbringing or how it's been normalized in, in your past or in, in this household. So many of these sentences, you, if you get creative with it, you can see them as templates so that they're conversation starters. And now to address how to go about something like that, one, we have to reflect how does that dynamic of brushing things under the rug serve this family? And how does it hurt? this family, right? And so if we do a, a like a little reflection analysis in that way, we're able to, to see the truth and then going about it with understanding one, that again, we're not gonna change people. We can only change ourselves in that function. You've been a role in that function for many years and it's good to also calculate roughly how long. I am so in love with this conversation and I have a, a follow-up question to that. As we are approaching the holidays and this new season, right? And all those questions are going to come up. I just got hit with the kids one. That's That's been a new one in my life. I'm like, yes, yes, okay. Like, first it was el novio. Now is, ay, cuando yo me muera, ojalá que pueda ver mis, mis nietos, right? My mom says that all the time. The morbid <laughs> stuff, it's just, that's a whole yeah. different story. But I... I'm just curious for the folks that are listening, how do you recommend we navigate besides looking at this toolkit? Because it seems like it has all the answers we've been needing. But how do you navigate this time where it can bring a lot of that anxiety of, okay, I'm going to get all these questions. I'm not ready for them. How do I answer? Like, how do you just recommend us preserving our own mental health throughout this time? Good question. And it's going to vary per person, right? And who also is asking the question? Because one thing that I want to emphasize right now is that you have to feel emotionally safe to set, you know, boundaries. There has to, and, and you sometimes achieve emotional safety through setting boundaries. But in some cases, for example, like in my household, I didn't feel emotionally safe to say a lot of these things. Right. Eventually I, I did, but it took a long time because emotionally and physically I wouldn't have been safe. And so we never want to put anybody in that position. And I always think about that. So it's always important to do that internal self-reflection of what would I how, how would I want to say the boundary to this person? 
how about to this other person? What would change? How would my language change? And I, I recommend, highly, highly recommend practicing in front of a mirror. And if you can, record yourself. So you get to hear your voice, where it goes lower, where you go more high-pitched, where you quiver, perhaps. And you get to look at yourself in the mirror to see also what's your nonverbal body language like as you're expressing a boundary. And for some people, this exercise is enough so that they process kind of that anxiety that they're going through and they don't feel it as high when they're being asked these questions. So that it's like, it's just kind of like, I'm just going to ignore it, you know, because this exercise for, for some people is enough for them. But, you know, it also helps to help give you Give the brain that practice to using the language that it will be needed for the boundary setting. And so, yeah, when they're asking los niños para cuando, you know, we do have how to go about it in the Briars digital toolkit. You know, thank you for being interested in my future. You get to choose the next boundary. Like it's something that I I don't think about and I don't want to talk about. You could mm -hmm. choose the humorous way as well, or you can choose the redirect what about you? What, what's been going on in your world, right? I'm big on redirection, so I love that you said that. <laughs> Whatever works I, for you is okay. You know, you know. speaking of boundaries, I, I, I always thought setting boundaries with your family is just impossible. In a Latino household, I'm like, I don't even know because we cross boundaries daily, you know, in the Latino community. We're like, oh, oh, this is going on in your relationship. Let's talk about it in a awkward, weird, weird time together i'm like uh um but one one thing i saw recently in thanksgiving and it's it's just a shout out to my brother my oldest brother who recently moved from honduras 10 years ago he my dad was just getting some cheese from my sister-in-law about things going on in their marriage and so my dad and my mom being who they are they it's again love right they're just like okay well let's have a conversation Everyone felt awkward having the conversation. We're like, I feel like we shouldn't be knowing this information about mm -hmm. mi hermano, you know? And the way that my brother so kindly, gracefully, and respectively, like, respectively, I don't even know if that's the word, but we're going to run with it. The way that he set a boundary in that moment was a really eye-opener for me. Like, he he just stood up and he's like, I appreciate you guys all for for, you know, being interested and in, in wanting to fix this. But I think this is between me and my wife and I want to keep it that way. And it was a moment for me where I'm like, you don't, growing up in my household, you never really stood up to my parents. You were just always scared of them. And the way that he just kind of stood up and set that boundary in such a respectful way again, like it wasn't like, oh, don't talk about my life. Like it wasn't like this fight. It was a really like, I'm not doing this with you guys right now. Like, this is not the time, nor is this the place, or are y'all really involved in any of it? And even my dad, because I was like, how are my parents going to react to that? No one's ever done that to them. The way my dad reacted was so in respect as well. He was like, you know what? I did cross the line. I'm sorry. And I was like, you mean we could have done this with you a long time ago? Like, <laughs> where not. is this new? Like... <laughs> But again, I, I just want to just share with everyone because I've always had that preconceived notion of boundaries don't exist in the Latino community or in the Latino household. But that was the first time I've seen it happen and I've seen it happen successfully. My mom was still a little mad, but the way that it generally was received was beautiful to see. 
Yeah. And sometimes that's what it is. Like it's the right time and, and giving yourself that opportunity. And psychologically speaking, I think what happens is there's like an emotional regression when we go back to being in front of our parents in adulthood. So like, let's say there's 25 year old you, I'm just speaking in general here as a hypothetical, um, goes back to visit their family during the holidays. Sometimes they feel 15 again because the parents can make them feel that way depending on how they treat them. Removing, you know, some sort of layer of control or power or going back to like, when are you going to get home? Right. Like you need to be home before 10 p.m. Reinstating the things that you've grown out of. And so naturally, a a lot of people in our community regress or feel that regression emotionally and like they can't speak. And so when we give our parents and ourselves that opportunity to set the boundary, it also begins to shift naturally the the parent-child-adult-child relationship. And I think that's a beautiful example of how your brother went about it, because I'm sure your your dad wouldn't probably bring that up again. (laughs) Oh, probably not. And I still, I'm like, I need to have this Jose Lucio's energy daily. (laughs) (laughs) Daily. (laughs) Daily. I know we're approaching time and I do want to do a quick, a fire, fire, rapid fire. I was going to say fireside and I I keep mixing those two up, but (laughs) I digress. Um, I want to do a little quick rapid fire with you and ask you a few questions that just show us a little bit more about who Adriana is and also talking about therapy. You Okay, I'm ready. Okay, first one. What is your favorite Latinx Latino dish? Honestly, I freaking love burritos. I don't know if that's a dish, but I love burritos, like chicken burritos. It no, is I a mean. dish in this case. Okay. All right. Oh, With chicken. beans and rice on the chicken side. Chicken burritos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I love breakfast oh, burritos too. Yeah. I just love burritos so much. <laughs> we love to see it. Name a song that you can listen to on repeat. On repeat, gosh, my ADHD brain loves putting different songs on repeat. What I'm thinking right now is honestly that body yaddy 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 by um, Megan, (laughs) the stallion. I love that one. You know, I Um, did not expect that, but I love that. (laughs) I freaking love it. My dream is to like know the choreography. I have two left feet, so that might never happen. But (laughs) yeah, I I love her. I don't know. There's there's different songs, but yeah, my Spotify list is a hot mess. That one's a hard one for me, though. <laughs> I, I I feel it. It's a, it's a hard one to to answer. We needed to do like a little playlist maybe next time. Yes. Next time. Latinx time. therapy <laughs> is dot dot dot. It goes to my my elevator pitch. It's a um, uh, national directory and a global podcast that focuses on destigmatizing mental health myths and taboos in the Latinx community. And 98% of our providers in the directory are Spanish speakers. Okay, I'm (laughs) snapping. Therapy is important because... It's a form of healing and it allows us to liberate ourselves from past wounds and create a future that I don't know a future with what comes to mind is like a tech word like better quality like a future with more healing with more optimism with more tools and like reconnection to ourselves ultimately Mm. oh yes let's bold that part reconnection to ourselves what is a quote or mantra that you live by a quote or mantra I live by 
sometimes I just say in my head, like, I don't, I don't know if it's a quote, like, I feel like it's a mom quote, like, ni modo. Like, I just keep pushing, like, ni modo. <laughs> ni modo is what I tell myself, like, I'm scared, ni modo. I'm going to do it anyway. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. I, that's the end of our of our rapid fire. I was going to ask, what's your sign? Astrology. <laughs> what do you Astrology think? sign? But I'm like, <laughs> I was just know? thinking, I don't, you give me, I'm, I'm kind of bad at reading signs these days. I felt like okay. I had a good astrology radar and I guess I don't. But I'm picking up cancer, like water, cancer. water sign. My sister's a cancer. I think she's July. I'm on Taurus. You're a Taurus. I'm very stubborn. Oh, you're an earth sign. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've I heard, definitely so know I've heard Tauruses are. <laughs> yeah, but that's how I'm I able to achieve everything. <laughs> yes, there, you need that stubbornness. You know, I recently saw J-Lo's documentary on the halftime show. Oh, and yeah. there's people say that she's like, whatever they want to say about her gets too much or she's sick of that, whatever. I'm like, she just knows what she wants. And I respect that. I respect people who just know what they want and are stubborn to get it. I don't even know if it's stubborn, the right word, but they're just like determined to get what they Ambitious. want because yeah. they know it's the right thing. It's Yeah. Yes. Well, I want to say I'm definitely <laughs> compassionate. You know, I, I don't step on people to get what I want, but I just, you know. I know what I want. Like, my husband is always like, you just heard this song for three seconds. And you." I'm like, I already know. Like, I'm just not going to like it. <laughs> and I don't. I listen to it. And I'm like, I told you. Like, I, I know I know myself. So I think that's right. a strength in that sense. I love that. I want to end this conversation with a brindis, which is how I love to close out these, these podcast episodes. And I have cafecito because I've historically, since I've started the podcast, been doing a brindis con cafecito or con agua, boba, whatever you have available. Yeah, boba. Because, you know, <laughs> re redefining brindis. But want to close this out and give you the space, Adriana, to do a virtual cheers and let us know what you want to cheers to and what you want to manifest for our Latino community. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, I want to give a brindis to honestly continuing to give myself space to heal so that I could be there for others again. I recently lost my mom a few months ago, a couple months ago, really. And it's been incredibly sad Sorry. and difficult. So I'm, I'm in that process of grieving uh, every day looks differently. So I definitely want to continue giving myself that space because I miss my community. My community has been there for me and I'm so grateful for that. But I also want to get back to, you know, just, I don't know, being there for my community as well, more reciprocity. So that's what I'm, I'm cheering to day by day. I love it. Salud. Gracias, Salud. Adriana. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for creating the toolkit the podcast everything that you do for the community we see you yes. girl and we love you thank you so much please everybody support the toolkit and download it and share it it's on latinxtherapy.com thank you for the space and for your amazing questions thank you you were you were equally as amazing with your answers that's how i could just ask more beautiful questions <laughs> i appreciate you I can't tell y'all how much I love this conversation with Alejandra and hope y'all loved it just as much. And I hope y'all are walking into the holiday season con su cabeza arriba with all the 
courage and grace and love in the world. And I hope you all enjoy Noche Buena or Lo Que Celebran. And I'll see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hell Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram at ojasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. My website has a lot more information if y'all are interested. www.odalisjasmine.com Con mucho amor, tu amiga hondureña.